Welcome everybody to episode 7 of that Roundnet podcast. Today we have probably one of my favourite episodes of the season so far, even though we haven't even said anything yet, because it's the topic. We're going to be talking about Roundnet as a whole from a bigger perspective, talking about the mentality that the sport is so-called broken. And for this lovely episode today, I am joined as always by Mr. Mike White, Gavin Brokemer, and today's guest, Frederick Hinkle, who I'm sure you guys all know. And we've had him on before, so this is his second appearance on the pod. Welcome back. And for those that don't know him, he is 2021 Spiteball Championship or National uh, Pro Division winner alongside Rahul Murphy as they paired with Double Clutch and also runner-up at 2022 Nationals with, again, his partner Rahul Murphy and is this year joining up with Gabe Finocci. I'm so bad at second names. <laughs> uh, as Judgment Day. So, first of all, welcome, Fred. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Scott. Always a pleasure to be here. Should be a fun topic. Yes. So, let's jump straight into the topic. I know you guys have all heard the saying, the quotes going around, around the nets all around the world, going, oh, how can I get that? Oh, oh yeah, the sport's broken. You just couldn't do anything there. And I think this is a definitely a mindset and a and a mindset and a philosophy that's sort of really stagnating people's development and the sports development. Because again, if you think something is broken, you're less likely to look for answers. Whereas if you think if something is uh, you know actually attainable to find the answer, then you're more likely to start searching for it. And I know Frederick, you've now been playing for what four five years, something like that. Sign of that in the pro division, like five or six. Yeah, yeah. And the pro division now for the what the last three. Yep, made pro in 2021. That was my first pro division. So I'm not I've got a few pro years, and then 2020 was a good year as well. But the COVID there ruined it. Indeed. Yeah. I think it's best to start off talking about what your mindset is. I know you're one of the players who definitely takes round net on a much deeper level than most players, which I know we very much enjoy. I know a lot of people enjoy. I know the people in the Discord enjoy it. But I mean, what's your take when you hear people say, "Oh, that's broken. Oh, there's no chance I'm ever going to get that or get that hit, etc." I mean, like to the question, is round net as a sport like? as a game broken probably i mean we're playing a game where people double fault 30 percent of the time i mean the game is inherently broken if you consider it from that perspective now if you want to talk about it, it's offense defense as a relationship broken i don't i don't really see it i mean we saw people touching the ball 60 50 percent of the time in 2021 when we had stats and i think everyone would agree 2022 there's even more defense so i really don't see like this narrative that there's no rallies like defense can't be done offense is op i think it's it's kind of a dead argument now to the point that the game is broken. I, I tend to agree. Like, serve percentage has been way too low. I saw in 2021, I mean, oftentimes serve percentage would be in that 55, 65 range. 2022, pro serve percentages were going up into that 75, 80% range. So, I mean, I think we're in the right direction. I think there's kind of just a skill level that needs to be achieved in order to fix the game. But I think most of it is going to come from uh, increasing surf percentages and getting more reps, getting more opportunities to play defense throughout the series. How's that for a curveball? No curve. What? That's n- no disagreement. I mean, we've already seen serve percentages go up since 2021. And I mean, yeah, you raised the point that putting serves on net increases the opportunity for defense to get better and therefore serve receive get better as well. And even if you look at 2021 when, you know, Ryder popped off at Nationals, I mean, he has only got better as a server since 2021. Yet, you know, he's still, yes, he's still getting aces each game, but it's not as if, if he's getting better, why is he not hitting an ace every single time he gets the ball in his hand? Because server receives getting better, you know? And he, again, he's got better, but the proportion between and the correlation between serving and serve receive has now got much closer 
in regards to before COVID or as COVID was going on, everything was improving at a much faster, dramatic rate in regards to serving, hitting and settings. They're all skills you could do alone versus skills such as serve, receive and defense that you needed people to, to practice with. And now we're seeing that correlation. We're seeing serve, receive and defense you know, move towards those other three categories that were so far ahead for so long. So, in that, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to come in. I've just been blankly staring at the ground for like three minutes thinking about this. I'm trying to think of like, right, you discuss is is hitting more overpowered than defense and is like serving, serve percentage not working. And I'm trying to think of like the inherent, this is too heady for, for right now for me. Um, <laughs> isn't this inherently like, I, I'm not trying to label this before I say it. Is it inherently, or I'm trying to, maybe decide is is it broken if naturally offense is likely has a has an advantage over defense that at an optimal offense is better than an optimal defense due to whatever you want to say the height of the set 360 degrees options you have does that naturally then lead to the other problem which is you need to be pushing your serve to the point and therefore that equilibrium will naturally keep going where people will get Regardless of if they get better at defense, people will probably get better at hitting or or if people get better at defense, then they're going to serve harder, which is going to maybe lead for double faults or aces. What I'm trying to think of that between the two, where it's like if people get better at defense, people are just going to like try to get better at serving. And ideally, and I think this is where I said last year, I said, if you just keep pushing, you get to a point where everything is a fault or an ace. And like, that's it. If yes, at a, at a largest point. But that's the great point of like, if everything that, but that's the, what we are yet to see. Cause we're all in reality. And the real truth of it is we're just pretty bad around it. Like just in general. Hey, speak for yourself. Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, but I'll say, I'll <laughs> say just though. I think I was generally on board with the narrative that you posed, Mike, but I think that that was kind of dispelled last year. We saw Receive so successful against top, top servers. We saw people hitting craziest banger serves. Like, if they were to pick a serve that they're going to hit, they hit it and it gets received. So at some point, like, when you're hitting the best serves that you can hit and you are one of the best servers in the world and you're getting received, you have to look somewhere else. I mean, you can't just have a game that's literally just side out, side out, side out, side out. And if you are putting on all this serve pressure, you're going to have defensive opportunities. So, I mean, I don't think that that eighth double fault game actually exists just because server seed caught up so effectively last year and we were shocked and that was the case in richmond i mean if you remember end of 2021 beginning of 2022 we had the christmas classic and we had the vegas tournament which were just monster circle i mean all four players at the net at Christmas Classic had performances. Three or four of the four players than that at Vegas had performances in the semis and final. I mean, people were ripping serves and it looked really bad. And then we showed up to Richmond and like Joe Bonney's just getting caked left and right. Ryan Gross is hitting his best serves and Max and Gabe are just eating it. Me and Rahul are serving and people are having no trouble. So it's kind of this point where Receive made that jump and we haven't seen aces just go nuts, which gives me the impression that maybe serve receive is so good that if you're just not going to take all these aces, you have to do it with defense. And I, I think we see that in the modern game. That I, I think the evolution Sorry, so long. You know, no, no, no. Is do, do the players then react by going for harder serves? Or do they hit their challenging serves? And obviously you always are working on defense, but it's like, what does the strategy become? Does the strategy become keep hitting our banger serves? People are better received, so we have to get better at defense. Or is it people are better received? We have to push our serves even further, which I said then leads to double faults. 
Gavin. Yeah, I, I was going to say at this point we at this point we've we've talked about a d- couple of different topics, but we haven't necessarily defined what broken means in the scope of this podcast. And in my in my vision, there's a couple of ways of going about this. We could say broken as in the sport itself is irreco- not recoverable. We could also talk about broken in from the aspect of different dynamics, the serve receive dynamic as well as the defense and offense. Style. And then we could also talk about broken as in it's just not a balanced game yet, right? And I think that's the kind of approach that I would take to say there's certain aspects of the game, such as the serve percentage that are not balanced yet. And that that I would say is broken, not not unrecovered, right? And then also I would say from a serve receiver perspective, we've made leaps and bounds over the past couple of years. And obviously it's much more easy to get a ball up now because people have worked on their footwork, they worked on their timing, and this is just coming easier to move. And then I, from a defense perspective, we had our strides in 2021 and 2022, and now we're seeing a big leap. And I think that we're we're really seeing a big leap from the the bottom line, where all these premier premier players coming in are getting better and better, faster and faster at defense. Where the top end isn't jumping up as high as we'd expect, getting touches on every single ball. But I don't know. I think that in terms of a balance perspective, not broken. In terms of yeah, in terms of balance perspective, not broken. That's my take. And I don't know where that takes us now, but I'm a ramble. I would just yeah, I add, think, go, Fred. I think that serve receive at this point has just been pushed so far to the brink. I mean, we see so many diving receives and you know people on the ground receiving on their heels receiving, et cetera, that it's so hard to come to the net and hit. And we, we see this kind of next grouping of players playing scrappy and prepared to take advantage of these these spots and learning how to play defense. Um, I think that we're seeing like a less theory-based game, right, where hitters are dominating because they have like a stronger understanding of the game and more of an athleticism-based game, which is cool to see. I think we saw a lot of that from Panaki Mardell and Assistive Touch. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's tough because defense hasn't made a huge, huge jump recently in my eyes. Um, I think that people are starting to understand it better and teams are able to communicate it better. But at the same time, people are getting drastically better at hitting. And I think hitting is becoming a more cerebral task. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong in your eyes, Fred, but I don't know. I think I think that that dynamic is more so favoring hitting even more than it did before because defense did make that jump. Yeah, I mean, in a perspective of 2021 to now, I think hitting's gotten a lot better, of course, but I also think that we're seeing defenses adjust way quicker than they used to. And if we look at it from a perspective of like 2019, 2020, I mean, there's really no conversation. Hitting is so much further behind than where it had been at those times. And I mean, defense is so much better. I think we put the current defenses against that hitting, you know, no, no hit zone hitting. I think you still don't have much success, uh, but I think you have a lot more success than you would have back then. So it's kind of like just how important has it been or how like, where is the balance is hard to say, but I think they've both gotten better. I don't know. That's one thing I'm curious for this season because I really don't have a perspective on where this goes. I I think that defenses will continue to have success, but I think it will largely be because of serve quality. Uh, That makes sense. I think... We're going to see a massive leap in defense because that's the one category we've yet to see yet in regards to make a huge leap, even though it's been coming and making progressive actions and movements in the last couple of years. I think the same way that we look upon serve received in 2021, when we saw loads of people get touches, and they were bad touches, I think it's going to be the same way we're going to look at defense in 2023. I think there's going to be a lot more touches, but they just might not be good touches. But then you fast forward a year, 2024, same way serve received in 2022. And those touches that they were getting in 2021 turn into good touches in 2022. And that's the same now when people are going to get touches this year in 2023. And they're going to be good touches in 2024. 
and that scale I talked about earlier of hitting, setting, and serving being all three a little bit higher than the categories of serve, receive, and defense, well, serve, receive, and defense are both going to make those leaps at a greater pace than hitting, setting, and serving can make in correlation to those two categories. So you sort of to wrap or to go back to your point earlier, Mike, in like, oh, do you just hit harder on your serves? And then it goes back to a low percentage again, and we're going to go back to serving hard. Or we go defense. In my opinion, we're yet to see the game. We're yet to see this sport where all five categories are pretty even. And until we ever get there, or until we see that, we will not know if this game is unbalanced or if it needs buffing or uh, changing in some aspect because we're yet to see that. Yeah, I, well, you mentioned setting there earlier, but we haven't really touched on it. And I guess my genuine question is like, is the current is the current hitting to defense, right? Pi pipeline, that's not the word. Defense is doing pretty well, right? Just in and as well as hitting is better, but defense is doing well. Do you think that's impacted by a lack of strength in setting? Like I would think that the hitting growth is limited by setting growth, which may be the least improved yeah. from a lot of players I, in the last I, few I, years. I agree with you, Mike. I think that the hitting growth is limited by the setting growth, but I think the setting quality is limited by the service. And I think that that's just, I mean... This is we don't have the aces anymore, and we traded them for rallies. So I, once again, like if you think about this from a more meta perspective, the chances that you actually have a balanced game is very low, right? It's way harder for everything to kind of have like an even keel to it than to have one thing that is way more important than everything else. And to wind up in that balanced spot is not trivial. Uh, I think we've made good direction you know, moves and shifts toward it. Um, I think that there are some things that are going to be done in the next year uh, as a player, or excuse me, as like a player pool. Uh, when it comes to officiating, I think that there are some hinders that can be called that hitters are causing and defenders aren't taking advantage of. And I think that as we see defenders continue to get smarter and play hard, I think that we're going to see more of that. And I think we continue to see the pendulum swing. So we got two believers in the defenders, me and, me and Scott. And we got Gavin over there, the naysayer, who thinks the hitter is going to make the uh, make the jump. I didn't believe in defense. I said that hitting's getting even better. I think that defense is going to have to catch up again. Um, so they're going to do stuff like utilizing rules that already exist, but they don't utilize. <laughs> yep. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we continue. Yeah, no, I, I still think that I still think that defense has has a chance. Um, I just think that the the gap will get will continue to get a little little bit larger. I think people are becoming smarter hitter. Um, but I mean, prove me wrong. I don't know. I really hope everyone proves you wrong because I honestly think we are so bad at defense as a sport. Like, again, we're so young still. Like this, think about all the serving videos you've seen, all the serving content you've seen. Think about all like the setting content or just the setting you've seen and done. Like, like just compare that to the amount of serve receive content and the serve receive analysis theory out there and pair that with defense. Like it's disproportionate and it's disproportionate in the same way where these skills are disproportionate within the round net community where setting, hitting and serving are disproportionately better than serve receive and defense. Yeah. It's a matter of time before they point. make a big catch up. I just yeah, want you got to get on that. I, I am playing I am playing devil's advocate here. I do hope <laughs> I am an I am an optimist at heart and I do hope that defense <laughs> absolutely kills it this year and I think that it I think that it will. But also I wanted to open up the conversation for, <laughs> for people to talk about the defense not being there and, and I do think that hitting has improved. Do I think we'll still see as many defensive conversions as we did at the beginning of this season and last year? Probably. I think it has the opportunity to catch up and I think it's only going to get better as we continue to inform people, continue to teach. And I think that it'll become, 
I think it'll become continue to be balanced in the sense that we've been seeing it over the course of these last couple seasons, right? And I think defense even even more so has the opportunity to catch up a little bit more because there is so much opportunity for growth there. But yeah, yeah. But is this I'm, the part? You, is this the part where I plug revised round net defensive videos? Like, <laughs> do whatever you want, but nah. I mean, <laughs> someone just needs to make more defensive content at a high quality. I don't know who that would be, but. Whoever that guy that runs Revised Round it, he does a pretty good job. Yeah, we could talk about it later if you want. <laughs> I will be the pessimist here and say uh, people are going to get better at server. They've written, we're going to pass a line where serve receive is really good and people are going to get better at setting and figure out how to finish even better in the no hit zone. Defense is going to try, but naturally it's going to lose because I think it's just easier in the balance of the game. I think that's going to push some teams go for more fakes, more lefties, more righties go for the no touches and we're going to have lower serve service serve percentage later in the year. I think people are going to get cleaner. They're going to get cleaner on offense and it's going to force people to get frustrated by defense or hopefully get better at it. But I think naturally defense is at more of a risk than offense. And we're going to start to see some, some serve receive percent serve percentages go down, or it's just a bunch of no touch aces. Uh, ideally, Ideally, we trade them for no touch aces, but yeah. yeah. Pessimist Mike sees it trending that way. That may be because I also see it easier, as you said, Scott, content-wise, and I believe naturally, easier to work on your quick toss lefty fake than to theory craft defense and get it up on, on Fred's push. Well, it's uh, also, but also a massive thing to mention on that is you just, like, you're serving, it's, it's you, you're in control of that. You're in complete yeah. control of your serving, yep. whereas defense... You are doing it with another human being. It's easier to play a one-player game than a two-player game. Exactly. So it definitely will be harder, and that's again another reason why why defense is that little bit further behind. Yeah. But again, we've seen serving get better since 2021, but we've seen serve receive get much better since 2021. And I think we're going to see the exact same situation where yeah, hitting could still improve, setting could still improve, but we're going to see defense make that massive leap that we saw from serve receive last year. And I hope, and again, it just, it needs more, needs more content, needs more theories, needs more people to talk about. It needs more, like the round network showing these great programs at a high level. Like it needs just more discussion. Cause again, people just talking about cuts and reverse cuts all day at training when they're going for pickup, but they're not talking about, mm, so when you're the tracker, are you, yeah. you know, are you staying behind him? Which shoulder are you getting on? Why? Which shoulder? You know, are you tracking the center, et cetera? Like you're not talking about anything in detail as that. You're talking about, oh, how wide was my cut? So... I obviously, um, Fred is a, is a pro level player, um, and Scott and Gavin are, are good around it. Um, but like when we think about this brokenness, I do think of it as like the highest, highest level, like where does round net kind of peak at if everyone's playing their best with their highest skill. Something I do want to talk about regarding the broken discussion is like, right, Fred, right? I and mean, we just said it's easy to, uh, just serve and get better at serving, and you get better at the game and you can win that way than to learn serve receive. Obviously, uh, okay, oh, right, sorry, you're right. I don't think you can win. Uh, I think so it's easier yeah. to get better at. I'm trying to say at, a, at an intermediate, advanced contender level, serve, there, there is much more, oh, I would say overpoweredness, it feels, at the lower level. And obviously at the highest level, it's like, oh, serve receive, servicing is not actually that broken. Practice your serve receive. Does it matter to our sport that and you may disagree if it is, does it matter to our sport, in this case where I'm saying, where there are certain skills that are disproportionately uh, more important at the lower level? Does, and does that like, and I'm a saying like, maybe that's not enjoyable for people. 
does that affect how our sport grows in the long run? Should we care about our balance at a lower level as well? I mean, I think that you are so capped as a player. If you are going down this serve ball only route and you don't have a full game, I think about it in terms of like baseball. A dude that throws 95 in high school is going to have a great high school career, but he needs the other pitches to do well, you know, later on in his career. And I mean, I think that the game is going to be defined by what the top level looks like today. I don't think it's going to be defined by um, the lower levels. I think what we have at the top will eventually trickle down. I think that we've seen that. I think we've seen higher quality serve receivers at lower levels, like high contender, high premier. I have people asking me questions, like consciously thinking about what they're going to be doing as a receiver. And we didn't have that two years ago. Pro players weren't thinking about this four years ago. This discussion didn't exist. The only person thinking about this was Tyler. And now we have entire groups, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people thinking about these concepts, even in, in bottom of career, high contender, et cetera. So no, I, I'm not super concerned about balance at lower levels. I think it trickles down and I think that it will eventually reflect what the top looks like. Even if it is easier to just grind your serve, grind your hitting. That's my thought. Um, back to your previous points, though. I am big <laughs> on board with uh, this idea that hitting just gets so much better and the setting is there and nobody can defend. Uh, insofar that Judgment Day is the team with that massive hitting advantage and we defend everybody else like I've described. So I'm kind of here for, you know, we play great defense on everyone else and then Mike's reality isn't applicable to me and Gabe is hitters. So that, that, that would be convenient. That's Especially this weekend, right? Yeah. Well, I think about I, yeah, when I think about it as a start. Of it. I am trying to think about the team that is really trying to push the level at the top. Like, actually, what do they look like, right? What do they look like, um, right? If a team's trying to beat you, Fred, and you and Gabe are so good at receive, setting, and hitting that they can't physically defend you, I think they're not going to play grind defense more. They're going to try to beat you with a nice lefty reverse cut. And ideally, they do both, but I think that's where it's going to go. Yeah, but that again goes back to theory, understanding the yep. game. It's exactly. easier to grind your serve than it is to do defense, especially in that very moment. <laughs> you can't yeah, explain the whole yeah. scheme and the whole principles of defense within 10, 5 Maybe seconds while you're, that, while you're throwing right? your fake. Saying, like, we could just be understanding yeah. one thing, and it's actually, hey, if you just drop your shoulder a little bit, you probably would have touched three of those balls instead. But people are looking <laughs> hey, that way. Defense wins championship. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I think the, the habits that people grow are the ones that are the most obvious and are the easiest to implement. And you know what's a really easy habit to, to start is the one where you go in your garage and serve for an hour. You know what's difficult to do is to convince two or three people to come with you to a drilling pickup where you, or drilling session where you don't play pickup and you work on defense. And I think that as we see more and more players get serious about it, that'll that'll become a meta. And I think the players that do that, and a shout out to Scott to put out tons of defensive drilling content on his page recently because I have been eating it up. Um, the more and more I, we see that becoming the meta and the more and more we see people proactively drilling defense, that's how we close the gap in my opinion. Aside from seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of game in-game scenario. And I mean, if you just want to get those through pickup, that's fine. But also you can build those neurological pathways through other means. I think drilling, that's my take as well. That's not just round that, that's any sport. To take an yeah. isolated skill and take it and break it down into stages. God, you act like I play other sports. W Wiffleball? I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, we all play different right. sports. So yes, yeah. what we we don't grow up playing round it. Nobody does, not yet. Anyway. Someday, someday. <laughs> so we, yeah, we all thanks we, to the American Spikers League. Yeah, Fred only goes to tournaments to go check out the local golf course the day after. Wow, <laughs> like come on, like it, but but on a serious note, you know, we, yeah, 
we need to isolate skills. And as soon as we isolate those skills, it's much easier now to get those neuro neurological pathways to be able to get better at a faster rate than getting in-game scenarios. Why is it so hard again to practice defense? Because well, you need to play games and you're playing with one other person that you have very little control or not complete control over. Yet you can go in your basement and rip thousand serves in an hour and you have complete control over your toss complete control over your hand contact complete control over how many reps you do it, it, it that rate of progression is a lot quicker when you're doing something you have complete control over versus something you don't have complete control over such as defense so i just keep thinking of our spike tank episode with all the the different this better yeah glasses for eyes in the back of your head so you can see where someone's setting up behind you when you're hit yeah <laughs> Um, any more closing any closing thoughts here I don't think it's broken that's that's it yeah yeah don't have the mentality I mean Fred you can build on now tell you what you want but yeah we didn't just, yeah super talk about that which is like I think that's the big thing is like big thing. even when I said like I don't think I think it's gonna go a bad way but that's because of how I'm assuming people are going to attack the problem right like still inherently there are problems to solve that you can and anything is 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 not gettable Obviously, there are hits that are whatever, but like, yeah, you can do things. You can get better. Yeah. I mean, if, if you put yourself in a worse enough spot, of course, you're not going to be able to make plays, right? You can, you know, damage your own position enough to make the opponent's position so strong that it's broken. Yes, I agree. I firmly agree, in fact. Uh, but I mean, this idea where it's like there's no way for us to get better and for us to make it significant changes completely unreasonable. Like you, you go watch the top players do something. And if they can do it well, that means you can do it well. And then eventually maybe you can do it better. I, I think of it from this perspective. If I go into something and view it as broken and say there's nothing I can do to make it better, it's never going to get better. I think this is a pretty clear and obvious perception. We used to describe playing defense as a extension of, of how Dan McPartland's played. Place. Dan would be the guy who dived at every ball. We would say if there's a 10% chance that Dan's going to get there, he dived 10 times. Every time he dives, he's got a 10% chance. Let's say he gets one of 10 of them. Well, that's the break that he needed. He wins the game because he got that. So, I mean, when you start to think about what is the margin that we're going for here, the margin really isn't that like that big. We only need to make a tiny marginal improvement to have really improved the value that we're getting out of it. And that's kind of the beauty. We don't really need to be that successful to be very good at it and get a lot of value from it. So I don't know. I, I think that to view it as broken and so damaging to your own game and your own improvement, you're going to get so much better by just playing and letting it happen. I don't know. And trying to find solutions, not just having, oh, yeah. you know, oh, they, they played a good hit and oh, it's broken. Oh, they hit a good serve. Oh. Sports yeah. broken because if you have that attitude, I mean, Fred, I'm sure you've seen player top players hit serves on other people, and other people have gone, Oh, the game's broken. And then next day, you're serve receiving them, and it's the exact same serve. So, riddle me that how, <laughs> how, how is that if it's broken, then that means it is again not fixable and you cannot receive it. Yet, we see them being received. It's just people need to start watching instead of start watching serves, start watching really good serve receive because you'll get so much better. Instead of watching, again, great offensive and great hit, start watching the defense of what they do with before they got touches. It's, yeah. Yes. I want to piggyback off of that real fast. And also what, what Fred said. When we talk about these marginal fixes or these these marginal gains, I think that people look at it too, at, from too, large, high of a, too high of a vantage point. They think, if I don't get a perfect up, then why not even try? But I can't tell you how many times I've watched two buddies' footage, and I've watched tons of it. And you, you see him get a touch with his shoulder, with his shoulder. And then Clark dimes it back to the net. The play's up, right? And what what people are 
missing in, in this entire conversation is that you don't have to do it perfectly the first. And if, if something is better than nothing and, and building a habit and building your game off of small wins is such a huge, such a huge philosophy to have. And it's not an all or nothing thing is what I'm saying. And we'll, we'll find those big strides based off of small wins. But I agree. I love that. Well said, Gavin. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think at some point, at some point you get a setter that makes the play for you. Um, and just I think a buddy has kind of preached to that. At some point, he just got a setter that could make it happen for him. And I don't know. That part's huge. I think, I don't know. You guys have anywhere else that you want to go with this? Or should we hop into our favorite segment of all time? I'm ready. Maybe we should move on to the segment. I had a closing thoughts, but you guys said you're ready. So we're... we're no, Mike. Don't tell us your plays in the middle. The last thing I'll say is that if you're outwardly complaining about the sport being broken... You're also discrediting your opponent. And it's very important, at least when we talked about like last week, inclusivity, exclusivity. Like if you can't get to a hit or you didn't get a serve, like that's more props to your opponent. And that's more of a mentality thing. Um, but it also helps, I think, you internally if you respect your opponent versus blame the game for things that don't go your way. That was my last thought on that. I, yeah. I, I actually want to piggyback on one last thing quickly as well. Because I remember we, when we talked about server receive Fred and Gavin and... Uh, we was talking about, and Fred, you said it very well. He said, it's not the last few steps that you get beat on a serve receive. It's usually the first few steps that have caused you to get ace. Well, again, apply that. Start applying that to your game on defense and start analyzing every step you take. Because again, usually it's the first few steps. Yeah, and Fred's <laughs> waving at the camera. Yeah, you've got to jump in if you want. I remember, I remember thinking about it from this perspective for the first time. I know where I was. I was sitting watching a game and my roommate who played tennis his whole life, walks in, looks at me playing and goes, right there, that step, you missed it. I was just like, what? And we're, we go like four seconds before the hit, right? The set has just happened. And then I take a split, I take a split, and I take a split step. And he sits there and goes, why three? You only need one. You just wasted two steps. There's your problem. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And I'm looking at this the wrong way. Yeah. So, I mean, look for the root. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's easy to see how oh, I got aced by three, three feet. That it's like, Okay, why did you get ace? It usually was the problem. Was it your starting position good? Did you move your weight and step over at the same time they're faking with the other hand? Like you're, now you're out of sync. Like this, same thing on defense. Just defense is harder because it's more steps, and you're doing it with another person. Serve receive might only be let's say even if you're playing a you know a server that doesn't fake, it might only be two or three steps that need to be good to get the touch. But when you play against defense, it might require eight different steps. You might have been wrong from step. the start. You might have yeah. messed it up off the first step. So yeah, you might have already, seriously, you might, oh, you might have been too late to take the first step yeah. and now you're just chasing. And now if you're chasing, it's just like serve receive. If you're chasing, you're going to struggle. So yeah, that's final couple of thoughts. Cause it was that thought that woke that thought from that thought was awoken from you, Fred, when we talked about serve receive, but um, yeah. All right. It's time for Mike's break and we're actually going to have Fred to join um, because uh, I think it'll be interesting for this one. Um, so this one, Mike's break this week, um, tournaments, we all go to them. Um, and we all do different things. So here, I'm going to ask you guys each to go through what you're having for breakfast, what you're eating throughout the day, and what's your ideal meal afterwards. Let's start all off with uh, with breakfast. What's a, what's a typical breakfast before a tournament? Oh, Scott's, I don't know what space is Scott's making. <laughs> I like I like um, Celsius, Red Bull. Um, for breakfast? I'm not a big monster guy. <laughs> I can do uh, coffees, always hit. Yeah, it's a good those are my go-tos. If, if I've stayed at a hotel the night before, I'll have 
something that has protein in it. Most honestly, most of the time, just because they're so quick and easy, I'll have like a boiled egg and uh, maybe a, maybe a couple of those. If they have scrambled eggs, I'll have those. And if I'm at my home, I'll have boiled egg. And that's a, that's a solid breakfast. Just get some protein out of the way. Maybe a little bit of cereal. Make myself feel good. Nothing. No, nothing too sweet though. Nothing too sweet. Takes the edge off. But that that's kind of an ideal breakfast for me. So no, I just try to I just try to keep it the same routine as most other days, even though it's hard to. So I'll try and eat sort of just some toast, multivitamins, and some cereal. That would be my my breakfast. Although I do have cereal, uh, special K with strawberries. But I will. I will also mention. I really struggle to eat on throughout the day. So when you get to lunch and dinner i'm gonna struggle but breakfast i still struggle because either it's really early in the morning because you gotta be there or it's just a little bit of a uh, pre-tawny nerves kicking in um, I ideal this, breakfast. I, I forget what i did um more back in the day now i do this thing that's typical of where i live where i go to dunkin donuts get an <laughs> egg and cheese on a plain bagel some hash browns and a large large iced coffee yeah <laughs> that's that's my that's my go-to for ideally most days and then so it doesn't it translates right into into round net yeah <laughs> maybe some munchkins and you can hand them out to your friend munchkins are donut holes for the uh unacquainted with the world of and donuts <laughs> but yeah pretty good it works get the egg you get the bagel hash browns for a little sweet savory I, i'm happy with it maybe a gatorade yeah but definitely the coffee all right guys i'll i'll just run it back and i'll start that I don't like to eat lunch. I'll probably have, if anything, like a Cliff Bar or like a Nature Valley Bar. Don't eat lunch. Did like PB and J's for a while, and would just like cramp super bad. Like start a bracket. So I kind of don't really do lunch. It's pretty much straight Pedialyte, Gatorades, water, and granola bars. I like to get something with some sugar, keep you going. Sugar's brain food. You need it. Um, so I'm gonna go for more on the Red Bull train. Um, Maybe Body Armor Blitz, the caffeinated Body Armor. Well, one or two of those. Uh, I also like Alani. Alani's pretty good. Yeah, those are those are my lunch go-tos. So, so far, no food. Just pure liquid. <laughs> just caffeine. Just caffeinated beverage. Caffeine and sugar. Yeah. I should be, uh, on a good lunch break, I should be hitting four or 500 mils of caffeine for the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, fair. I would say for me, if I'm at a local or semi-local tournament, I'm going for sandwiches that I brought. And we're talking ham, salami, roast beef, mustard, and if I'm feeling spicy, some Munster cheese. I'll have two or three of those, two or three of those on the lunch break. And uh, yeah, those will get me going just enough so I can start bracket play up nice. And then also when it comes to liquids, it's a precise ratio. And I do a gallon of liquids, two thirds Gatorade, one third water. And I'm talking ice cold water in inside one of those iron flasks or hydro flasks. Yep. But it's specific. Yep. I, 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 do, I do not have the luxury of having it that well planned out. I'll pretty much go with the closest local store to the tournament and buy some snack that will um, yeah, pretty much keep me going for the rest of the day until I hang on for dinner. I will say as I try to get as many liquid calories in as possible because I find that much easier to take and sit in my stomach than eating a lot of calories uh, Yeah, through you know whole food. Oh, I abs- I forgot to, to throw it out there. I'm absolutely dying to try one of Josh Frag's uh, lunch bolts. And oh, yeah. I know th- I'm pretty sure that he's going to have them at STS Atlanta if I make it. And mm. I'm I'll go in just for that one. Quick, quick plug for Josh Frag's food adventures follow him and get a bowl at atlanta i'm pretty sure he's gonna have it there yep lovely mike one two and then ideal post afterward um i i used to i think be a fan of like the chipotle afterwards recently i i just naturally have been leaning more of the burger king way so i think a nice uh a nice burger for me an impossible burger afterwards 
with some fries and just some 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 soda some so i think that's my my maybe guilty pleasure what i would want afterwards pizza always slaps for me uh but pretty much i think burger and fries would be like ideal afterwards really good for refueling really good for you so many many texas players will be well acquainted with very familiar and likely have participated in the standard the family feast the family feast is a 35 dollars meal deal at panda express a fine establishment if i do say so myself and it is three entrees and two sides so frequently that is going to be orange chicken beijing beef chow mein fried rice and wild card the last meat oftentimes another chicken lots of calories get some carb uh and then i like to finish that off with um a picture of blue moon <laughs> i like it especially the blue moon part um for me I so fun fact my my fiance's brother uh, I played a collegiate tournament not a collegiate tournament but a, a tournament hosted by a college and I, I basically told he'd never played before so I was like hey hop in my backpack we're gonna take this dub sixty dollar cash prize or something like that we're getting sushi after that was our team name sushi after that so we went to get sushi all you could eat and I probably ate seven or eight rolls of sushi that night I'm saying sushi refill on the carbs have a good time that or traditional uh i take whatever it gives me i'm not <laughs> if it's uh in the u.s then probably chipotle like mike said if it's in europe or somewhere else then yeah you don't really have the luxurious of many options in some of the locations of tournaments so yeah anything calorie rich after a long day around that if i'm in if i'm in europe i'm picking donor kebab and me with the donor i don't know shout everywhere in europe everywhere in europe has amazing donor and that's where we're going. Slowly okay. shout. Slowly shout. All right. That, that's our quick, quick uh, Mike's break today. Just <laughs> taking it through for the people curious. You know, what is a, what is a national champion and a world champion like to like to eat? And it sounds like nothing. Um, It sounds like it'd be more efficient if he ordered caffeine pills off Amazon and sugar packets. Um, <laughs> So maybe that's what I'll, uh, I'll send to him as a little gift. Um, But thank you guys. Remember, dunks for breakfast, nothing for lunch, Burger King for dinner. That's how you live. <laughs> That's how you live. That's my ideal day. That's my ideal day. With the, of course, Diet Coke. Wash it down. I'm, 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 I'm civilized. You're insane. Come on, guys. Of course, I'm civilized. Never forget it. I'll have a Diet Coke. <laughs> you balanced diet. Balanced diet. Yeah. Maybe a milkshake. <laughs> a nice milkshake after. That could be good. All right. That was that's good, all Mike. for Mike's break. Good. Thank you, Mike. That was good. Good break. Hey, can um, we kick Fred out because because <laughs> I don't want to like upset with him with my prediction. So now, yeah, I was just, as now we're going to get on to predicting the Richmond, talking a little bit about it, as well as uh, predicting the ETS Paris. So we're allow Fred to leave us so he doesn't get too offended by our predictions. But Fred, thank you very much for coming on. Always welcome back. Always a pleasure. I'll see y'all in Richmond, at least some of y'all. Talk to you later. See you later. Thanks, Fred. Gosh, I'm glad he's done. Wow, I was holding oh, up. Oh, thank God. I hate that guy. Jeez. <laughs> So, um, all right, so now we're talking about the tournaments coming up, the Richmond Major, first SCS Major of the Year, and then ETS Paris, a Spike Ball Challenger in Paris. We're not going to talk too much about these, just going to go through our predictions for top three and dark horses. Smack, so I'll, ju- I'll just start it off. Um, I told I told everyone that I was going to take Fred off because I didn't want to upset him, but I lied. Um, at the number one spot, I've got Judgment Day with Fred Engel and Gabe Fanuck. At number two, I have Spotless. So that's Ryan Gross and Joe Bondi. And then finally, throw some Midwest in there. I have got Thomas Hamilton and Ryan Marino on Rogue. Those are my three picks. And I will have to say that I have, wait, I got Hilltop pretty close up there, but whatever. And also I have Bad Combo really close up there. I would say actually higher than uh, higher than Hilltop. But my dark horse, shout out to Illinois. I got Neil Bergman and Chris Wilkins of Club Spike Big Slick. Okay, Club Spike, Illinois. Lord. Okay. 
and just to clarify, our, our dark horse can be anyone outside of the favorite. Okay. Then I am going to go with Judgment Day winning. Spotless, Joe Bondi and Ryan Gross coming in second. And then TRP combo, bad combo that is, of Will Bacconi and Rahul Murphy in third. And my dark horse being critical hit, Justin Barr and Vinny Mathieu. Love that. Uh, we can have pro players on our dark horses. Dude, did y'all listen to what he said? Bro, all right, whatever. Non-favorite. All good, man, whatever. I guess Chris Wilkins played some some pro way we back. Play one more back. Time. Got it? That's fair. No, that's fine. Go ahead. I'm good. All right. I'm confident. Uh, all right. I'm going to... Uh, ooh, this is tough. I don't want to pick Judgment Day to win, but I don't know who to pick to win. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Rogue to win. Thomas Hamilton, Ryan Marino. Wow. They're going to pop off. Pop off. Second place will go Judgment Day. Frederick Hinkle, Gabe Finocchi. Third place, Kingdom Come. Give me Grant Clapwick, Matt Cole. Okay, I like that. <laughs> with the spirit, yeah. I'll try to go in line with your guys' dark horses, and I'll go. I'll go Hilltop or I'll go Hilltop Spike. See how far they can do in their first event. Okay, I like sound it. good. I like it. Yeah. We move on to women's. Gavin, do you want to start with women's, or are we switching out my? Oh, I will. Are we switching it again? Yeah. We're going to switch it again. All right. Random order. Gavin is still first. Gavin, Mike, Scott. <laughs> again. All right. So at the number one spot, I've got the inaugural tournament for twins this season. So twin, number one. Number two, Zoomies. Number three, Biceptual. <laughs> Mike, you know I got to steal your dark horse. I got space. Space monkeys. Space monkeys. I mean, fourth place, but two weeks ago. Looking good. All right. I'm up, Scott. Haha. I'm also going to go with twins. Second, I will go with what they call the Zoomies. And third place, I'm going to give it to Kitty Pearson and, and Teddy. Lazone? Lazoine? No, I wasn't sure, but we know he's talking about Florida resident. Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to make fun of the last name. I actually just don't want to say it. <laughs> Kitty Pearson and Teddy. They're my third place. Dark Horse, that's a good question. I'm going to give it to, I'm going to go Sato Morehouse. Malia Sato, Maddie Morehouse. Okay, okay. Interesting. I'm going to go first place twins, Addy and Olivia Jenke. Second place, Zo uh, Zoomies, which is Kara Hoy and Ali Foster. And then third place, I think it's so open of who could take third place in this tournament. It's actually really tough to decide who I think is going to take third. Um, I think, yeah, Yulia and Sarah is a good chance. Uh, Joel and Sachi, good chance. Um, even Rafa and Steph have finished done well in Florida, as well as Teddy and Katie. Uh, and a couple of other good teams. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Joel and Sachi for third. And then my dark horse being uh, Till Swap. So Julia, Brochu, and Sarah Allen. Nice. All right. Can't wait to beat you guys. <laughs> um, and let's go over to ETS Harris. A little harder for us uh, because we're not as familiar. Um, so judge us even harder. Wait, we do mix. Oh, do we want to do mix? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, we should do mix. Okay, random All right, order. So it's, it's, it's me. No, it's uh, Scott and Mike Gavin. So I get to start? Yep. Okay. Well, in that case, if I get to start, uh, I am going to go for mix. For mix. I'm going to go with Joe and Ali in first place. Joe Bondi and Ali Jenki, that is. In second place, I'm going to go with Matt Cole and Ali Foster, who did so well at Covid Nationals together in December. And then in third place, I'm going to go with Etienne and Katie, who of course won the Jacksonville Challenger together. Uh, and for my dark horse, again, with outside the favorite, I'll go Grant Clapwick and uh, Julia Roch. Beautiful. Wait. Oh, oh wait. I uh, easy. Oh, oh, I missed the team. No, yeah, easy one, easy one pick for me here. It's oh, I missed the team. Right. Oh, yeah, easy <laughs> one pick <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me change that. Let me change it really quickly. Oh. I'm going to go 
I'm going to oh, sorry in first place. I'm going to go Pinto, which is my group. Then go place. I'm going to go uh, Joe Bondi and Ali uh, Jenky. Third place, Cole and Foster. And then as my dark horse, still being uh, Grant Clapwick uh, with Julia uh, Broch. I'll emphasize again. Boom. Uh huh. <laughs> First place, I'm going Pinto, Kara, Hoy, and uh, Ryan Grove. Second place, I'm going to go Gabraham Lincoln, Nebraska, Gabe Fanaki, and Sarah Allen. In third place, I'm going to go with um, uh, Peachy Wagons, Grand Laughlin, and Joel Wynn. And my dark horse, I'm going to go with um, Matt Cole and Allie Foster, if that's okay. Uh, I think they're one of the favorites. I don't think you can have them as a okay. I don't think so. All right. Because they would be, if, I, if they're in one right. of our top threes, I don't think you could have them. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to go uh, Tifting and Trevor Barbosa. That's it. That's all? Yep. Oh, okay. I like it. All right. Much like everyone else, I'm going to go with Pinto, Ryan, Kara. After that, we'll go Ali, Ali Jingi, and Joe Bundy. The last, I'll I'll take Mike second with Gabe and Sarah Allen. And finally, I got Ryan Marino and Sasha Patel as my door. Oh, I meant to pick them. I'm so dumb. I should be like Scott and redo my picks. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wait, I want to are we doing Paris? Paris? Yes. <laughs> so now on to Paris. So this is the first uh, ETS event of the year, European Round It Tour Series. And it is going to be a pretty big event. Um, 20 teams in contender slash gold, 61 in contender. Then we have, yeah, 16 in open advance, 18 in intermediate, beginner, blah, 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 and then 41 women's advanced teams, which is crazy. The very first event of the top, of the year. And then we have 76 mixed teams. So alongside the Richmond Major, there's also a big oh. event down this weekend mm. in Paris. Yeah, be aware. So let's uh, choose our picks, starting with the, in the men for the Open Gold Premier Division. Uh, Mike, do you want to do the random generator again? Yep, I did. I'm first, then Gavin, then Scott. Yeah. Oh, I'm perfect. Scott, do you think you're cool? You get to copy my pick. I would like to. Um, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm not gonna do. It. I'm just gonna do it first. I'll go with. I'll go with RCG Powerline, Benny and Nelson. Can't root against them. Um, for a second, I'm gonna throw a bone to two Swedes, Asaya and and Simon Simon. Yeah, because they're uh they're crushing it. They were very good at Worlds. I'm sure they're even better now. And then third, I'm gonna go with Port Combien Dark Horse. I'm gonna go uh with uh. I should have put Hustling Brothers in there, and they're not a dark horse, so I'm going to switch it up. And I'm going to go with uh, Pierre Kennis and Jonas Klinger. Okay, as the dark horse. As my dark horse. Yep. Okay. Stad Taffin. Gavin? Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to go with Orkombidian, RCG Power One, and then Hustling Brothers. So now that Mike has added two suites to his podium, that means that I can select them as a dark Oh, that doesn't help me, because that's who I had as my dark horse. So I'm going to select, you know, I love me a good Mark Elburn. So I'm going with Mark's team with Dominic. Okay, solid. All right, my pick. I am going in first place for Combien. Home territory in Paris, in France. They, If you remember, they won the uh, tour stop last year in Paris. Uh, famously, Dorian proposing to what his is now. I'm not sure if they're married yet, but at least fiancé at the tournament. I think they're going to take it again with Paul Combien being in first. In second place, I think Hustling Brothers, Yosha and uh, Levy will have, yeah, too much power, especially for a lot of teams, especially how I've seen Levy been playing during the offseason. His serving's got even better, and I think many people haven't seen or played against him to be able to catch up that quickly yet. And then I think Einstein and Simmer, uh, one of the best German teams out there, um, notoriously also lost to Paul Combien last year at the Paris uh, Challenger. Um, however, it was only because I believe it was Lucas who got cramped and pretty much was 
unable to play the remainder of game two. So I think they're going to take third place. Uh, and that notably leaves RCG Powerline off my top three. Uh, but I do think they heat up as the season goes along, as well as I think a team to look out for um, is Never Hot, or sorry, Never Cold, uh, Yannick and Yarrow of Poland and Czech Republic, respectively. But my dark horse is neither of those. My dark horse is Ravi Kandula and Jakub Viske. Um, Ravi, of course, winning Mallorca with Buddy Ammon and is a top quality player playing alongside... Dark horse Vito. Vito the dark horse there. I tell it. Vito that dark horse. Yeah, Vito. Vito the dark horse. I was going to be doing in my podium. That's an easy Vito. No, no. You, you, you won my Orca and he's a dark horse. He won my Orca and he's a dark horse. You do not have them on your top three. He, I thought you got vetoed one of your last ones. You got a pitcher in Rich. I thought you vetoed one of my last ones. This is, this is, we, said, we said if they're not any team that's not one of the favorites and is not Didn't one of the you have favorites. Matt Cole and Allie Foster on your thing, on your podium? Yeah. I thought you guys vetoed my Matt Cole and Foster. You had him on your podium? Yes, I have Matt Cole and Ali Foster in... I've got Robbie on my podium. Oh, you don't know. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Stop. I'm changing. No, you've gone. Your turn has changed. Both vetoed. I don't want to veto. Hey, no, 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 no. You can't change it now. Just because I've said it. Like, all right. I'm oh, going to round veto it. I veto it. It vetoed, Scott. How does it feel? No, you cannot veto something after you've already had your pick. So I'll be taking... I thought you guys vetoed one of mine. Yes, because I, I had them have... already in my top three, Mike. Okay, fair. You guys neither had one of had Ravi or Jack, Jacob as one of your top three. Therefore, they oh, are not one of your favorites. Dark Horse this week, it's Scott. Hey, right. no, my problem, I <laughs> did call out. Good call out. I missed that, seriously. So good call. Oh, I saw them. They were just... They're not on my podium. They're just close. All right, so shall we move on to... Women's? No. Mm-hmm. We once again got Mike, Gavin, Scott. Ha, randomizer killing you. No, it's not, maybe not. Maybe I helping you. All right, first is me. So we're going on with obviously the best team name. More baguette, less regretti. That's our very own Laura Konzelman and Kiara Bauer. Go with them. Second place, going to go Tiramisu. And third place, I'm going to go Vibe Glasses, Ruth Trouton and Tina Goulden. Dark Horse... It may have to change, but my dark horse is going to be, uh, I don't know how to say it, Pooses and Dives, and as in Natasha from Italy. I'm going to have to video that because they're going to be in my top three. Oh, why? Because <laughs> I think they're going to do well. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> All right, then I'll go with the, uh, the the American couple. Are you going to put them in there? Nope. Of of uh, Lou Washburn and Nora Hoth. Not American, but Lou. Lou <laughs> <Live> America. <laughs> They're my dark horse, Lou and Nora. Okay, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, I'm going to have to echo your top three. That's just how it is. I hate to do it, but that's what it is. For my dark horse, I'm going to go with the name that I think is cool, and that's the Destroyer. Wow. Great. Yeah, that, I like it. Okay. Then, Gavin, you're done. I'm going to go first place, Laura and uh, Bada, I believe is her partner. Going to take first place. Second place, I'm going to have Tiramisu, so Danny and Megan from Austria. And then third place, I'm going to have Ines and uh, the second name I'm trying to pronounce. Trying to find it. Fish? With Natasha. Natasha, yeah. Um, Natasha and Ines, uh, they're going to take third, I think. And then my dark horse was going to be either Tina and Ruth or Nora and Lou, but you guys have taken them to have your top three, so I cannot say them. So instead, my dark horse i don't know fortunately too many of the name left inside the division so i'm struggling for a dark horse. pretty embarrassing for a resident european here no resident what do you mean i'm not a resident resident i visit i dabble and cross the pond from time to time i'm not a resident should we should we tell immigration that uh no yeah. <laughs> oh no i know i know i'm gonna go no limit no limit team from madrid the great girls from spain neither of them actually from spain um 
I'm gonna go with the Devil Spain. Yeah, no limits for sure for my dark pick, my dark horse. All right. Last we have Nick advanced, and the order is Gavin, Scott, Mike to close it out. Dude, I can't. I, I, I can't do it. There's set. There's so many teams. teams on here. Seventy-six teams. I know, right? It's tough. What if we just each pick a winner? All right. You guys are gonna have to keep not. This is gonna be an incredible division. Oh my god. Okay. I've got at one hot swap. Hot swap. Robin Florinda. Okay. Who else? And Tina. And, and Tina. Tina. And then second, I have Aloha. Yeah. Then I have Unile with Nelson and Megan. And then finally, I have Aloha, who's Lauren Cedric. With my dark horse pick, feel free to veto this one. I've got Benny. Okay. I'm. I'm. Oh, Scott's up next. Not me. Me next. Okay. I'm gonna go. Um. I'm gonna go for. Laura and Cedric in first. They have so much tournament experience together. I think there's more stronger male athletes than Cedric in the field, but there's definitely no stronger female athletes than Laura. And I think uh, just the amount they played together will be the difference. I think they'll probably win. In second place, I have uh, Paula Simmer and Lou Washburn. Uh, Paul, again, one of the top athletes in, in Europe from Germany. And Lou, who I think is very talented too. And then in third place, I have Tina and Robin. Robin's been getting a lot of podiums recently. He's got all around really solid game. So does Tina. I think they make a really good mix up together. Uh, and then there are so many dark horses to pick from. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to go with my guy, uh, Mark and Nicole from London. Uh, they're always a good time when they play together. And I think it will be entertaining to watch them. And I hope I hope, I hope, hope they do well. So they're going to be my dark horse. My top three, I think different order from you guys. Um, I'm going to go first, Nelson and Megan. Second, I will go Lara and Cedric. Um, third place, I'm going to go with Robin and Tina. And Dark Horse, I have Pierre and Nora. Mm, good Dark Horse. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Oh, I can't believe we just got it all right. That's so cool. <laughs> okay, they're, they're killing us with these oh. double events in one week. Too, too. too much. Too much. Yeah. Time. Two big events in one week. I think there's actually more teams attending Paris than Richmond, despite Richmond being a major. You think so? Yeah, I think by far. 240. Yeah, 14 more to be. Well, well, depends on how you care about Mick. Right. And, and I also think free agents count as well on as in. thirty. There's 30 free agents. And we're looking just Saturday. Just Saturday, we're looking at about, what's the math? We're doing the quick math. We're looking at about 140 ETS on Saturday and about just, there's over almost 140 in Premier and Contender in Richmond. Mm. So Richmond does have more, but an honestly incredible, incredible showing uh, over in over in Paris for the first one of the year. Mm. So 76 mixed teams is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Awesome. Alrighty, guys. Um, yeah, we maybe didn't talk in much or as much about those events, more predicting for this week. Uh, with the time and talking with Fred in the beginning. But it'll be interesting to see how both these events go. And I'm sure we'll discuss them a little bit more next week to discuss what went down in both Richmond and in Paris, as well as another topic, as always, for all our lovely listeners. Um, on that note, this has been episode seven of That Round It Podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at That Round It Podcast. Feel free to join our Facebook group at That Round It Podcast with some more inside details and uh, questions we ask you guys. And then we're over on Instagram and TikTok at That Round It Podcast as well. Hope you guys all enjoy and are enjoying your morning, afternoon, evening. See you guys next week. Yeah.